0: محمد محمد. Okay so we, we began with tawheed last uh, last week and uh, talked about how tawheed is different than tawakkul, different than rida' Then we reach this point where we need to talk about the different grades of Tawheed, which he says are two, just like uh, we had two uh, degrees and grades for Ridha, one being that um, in rida, what did we say? We said that sometimes you are Allah's happy with you, and as you're happy with Allah, and you be happy with being happy with Allah is because of His decree, His taqwini. Will and sometimes even his tashri'i will. You're happy with even what he's made wajib on you, what he's made haram on you. You don't have a problem with that. Alright, so with Tawheed, he says we also have two degrees here. Before I get into his ex- explanation though, he, um, I, I went and checked what Muhaqqiq Atusi, Khajan Nasiruddin Atusi, says in this regard. Because uh, as I've said before, this book of Ayatul jawadi is based on that book. So I thought I'd take a look there, and he had a nice explanation. And then Ayatul jawadi is really echoing that. So we'll go through this. Then we'll go through what Ayatul jawadi says. And then there's a little story I want to share with you as well. So when you go to uh, Awsaf al-Ashraf of Muhaqqq al-Tusi, he says there, he says, Tawheed is two types al bil wa wahda So one is qawl one is fi'l. Qawl means to say something. Or even to believe something, I would say. But fi'l means to, to do something actively. Okay? To actively do something. Alright. Well, what does that have to do with this now? He says, Sometimes you will will say oneness, you will maybe believe in oneness. In theory, sometimes practically and actively, you will make something one. There's a multiplicity you have, you actively make it one, okay? He says the first one, which is to, you know, believe in oneness of God and all of that, he says this is the condition of iman. In other words, if you don't have this, you don't have Iman. You're not even Muslim. And he says, he says, this is Mabda'ul This is where Ma'rifatullah begins. Okay? The fact that you believe He is one. So that's for sure. I mean everyone knows that. Alright. But he says the second one, which is active tawheed or actively making something one what is that all about he says the other one was the condition of iman this one is the peak of, ima- of ma'rifah well why is that he says well because it means that you reach a certain a certain uh, a conviction and certainty that Laysa fil illallah ta'ala wa That in all of existence, and existence means everything. There is only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his grace. And even his grace doesn't have an existence on its own. So you, it's all Allah. And so but we look around us, we see multiplicity. We see objects, we see things, we think we see creatures and beings and whatnot. No, he says to see beyond all of this and to see that it is Allah everywhere and only Allah actually. Okay, I, I do have to make this disclaimer from here on. Don't think that I have experienced any of this or I know what he was talking about. But this is what he's saying and this is what the Urafah say. And we'll get to that story as well later. Um. He says... So what happens as a result when you have this yaqeen and certainty that there is none other than Allah in all of existence and it makes sense by the way. Why? Can I point to any place or any time and say that Allah doesn't exist there? I can't say that. As a matter of fact, you'll turn around and say, don't even say point to a place or a time that that you want to ask this question, does he exist there or not? He's beyond all of that. He encompasses all of that. So can I even say that Allah is not everything? Then someone will say, but that that kind of implies that you're saying, I am God, he's God, she's God. That shows that we haven't understood what we're talking about yet, okay? Some people call out the urafa. And by the way, I'm not one of the urafa. I'm not known for irfan or anything like that, okay? But I do know this much that they say, that a lot of times these individuals are misunderstood when they say there is nothing in existence except god the answer will be some that some will say is oh are you saying my shoe is god well this just shows you haven't understood what they're saying okay they're not looking at the whatness of things in the sense of they call it mahiya they're looking at the wujud of things as a matter of fact now this is you can say i would say the predominant view maybe That there is only wujud out there. There is no mahiya and whatness out there. It's all just existence in different forms, maybe. For example, you have if you have play Doh and you've made a little castle out of play-doh. Okay? Out of clay. Do I have a castle here or do I have play-doh here? Do I have clay here? I have clay. When you make something out of clay, in reality, what is it? It's clay. Whether it's in the form of a castle in the form of a dinosaur, in the form of anything, it's really clay. And so if these philosophers, they always have this, this, this discussion and debate amongst them, that what is the actual reality out there? And usually they'll say, but there are some different opinions here, that it's all just existence in reality. So when you look at it from that angle, not from the angle of the forms that they have, all you see is existence, and that means all you see is Allah. People misunderstand this, and they think, they think you're saying, my shoe! Are you saying my shoe is God? The moment you call it a shoe instead of existence, that shows you didn't get what these philosophers are saying, or these orafar are saying. Anyway, I I even remember reading a story where someone is I don't I, don't, I wouldn't say mocking Taba'i, but is making a joke in front of him, and he's saying, "Can you pour some of this existence into like he, they're sitting at a dastakhan or something, right? At the, at a table." And the guy wants water, something to this effect. And he's like, kiddingly, he says, can you pour some of this existence into this existence, which is his cup? Like he's saying all of it is existence, right? For me, which is existence or something. And so Allah, he answers him. I don't, I don't remember the answer, but answers, answers him like, yo, you don't, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay, anyway, I don't remember that story. It was an interesting one. It's, it's fun to always shut people up with philosophy, you know. So he shut him up in a very uh, respectful way. But anyway, going back to what we were talking about here. That you reach this yaqeen, that there is nothing in existence except Allah. In, in other words, all of existence is Allah. As a result of seeing the oneness of things and not the multiplicity side of things, fayanqati'u anil kathra. As a result, this person... Their sight will be cut off from multiplicity. All they see is oneness. This was an active endeavor on their part to shift their eyes from the multiplicity side of things to the oneness of things. That they are all under one umbrella of existence. And if there is only one existence out there then it's all Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm just trying my best to explain what Khajar Nasiruddin At-Tusi Nasiruddin at is saying here. So this person, واحدا, they will make all of these different things out there, they will see them as one and make them one, and they will only see one. So, this person within them has transformed or changed that which is multiple into that which is one, and they have gone from واحدahu, الإلهية, they've gone from this. In other words, let me translate that that they have gone from this belief and no, and this belief and notion of he is only one, Allah is only one, no partner in ilahiyya, in being worshipped. So they have gone from that to a step further. They say not only does he is he the only one who deserves worship, and there's no partner with him when it comes to worship. And there's no shariq for him when it comes to being an ilah and a lord that is to be worshipped. But no, it's more than that. There is no one else out there that you can compare to him in their existence. There's only one existent actually in reality. It is Allah. And we are all shadows of that existence. In other words, we exist but we don't exist as if. Okay, we're trying to put this in words as much as possible. And as you can see, we're just scratching the surface here of tawheed. Okay, of tawheed um, and trying to put it into words. Or else this is something to aspire for or towards. Yeah, and to really wish for. To go from Wahdahu la sharika lahu fil ilāhiyyah to Wahdahu la sharika lahu fil wujud even. Forget about whether I want to worship or not. There is nothing else out there for me to worship except Him. Because there's nothing else out there existing independently except Him. And so as a result, he says, everything else out there will only become a hijab for this person, a veil for this person from seeing reality. The moment I see the, well, I'm going to put it like this, the mahiyat, the things out there, right? That moment that I see things instead of Allah and existence, that is a hijab. That means I'm not seeing Allah anymore, I'm seeing the multiplicity again. The moment you can put a label on it, the moment you can call it something other than existence and you do call it something other than existence, then that becomes a hijab itself. Because the moment you bring elephant into the picture, giraffe into the picture, shoe into the picture, car into the picture, you have erased Allah from that perspective. So as you can see, there's two ways to look at the world, okay? There is multiplicity, no one denies that. But in this multiplicity, if you really were to look at it with a philosophical eye, you see oneness. You just see one. You cannot. It's all existence. Non-existence does not exist for you to point to it and say, oh, here's non-existence. It's all existence. And if it's all existence, that means it's all interconnected. And you cannot take Allah out of that equation. So it's all, Allah is all of existence. Something like that. Uh, and then this person sees, he says, other things other than Allah as a hijab, number one. And this person also sees their the way, their focus on anything other than Allah as a shirk. Shirkan mutlaqan. Here it's not about, oh, am I worshipping this person? Am I not? Am I worshipping this idol? Am I not? Here it's not even about worship, remember? We shifted it from worship. We said there is no partner for Allah for, in worship. We shifted it to what? We shifted it to there is no partner in Allah even when it comes to existing. لا شريك له في الوجود. And so if that's the case, here there is no difference between the different forms of shirk anymore. Have we talked about this before I think. That there's a subtle shirk. There's a subtle shirk that some of the greats point out. The Quran even points out on one or two occasions. Yeah, in Surah Yusuf it says, that most of them don't believe except that they're also mushrik. That means you're a Muslim, but you're a mushrik. We've talked about this before as well. The subtle shirk, we've talked about that. Okay. We call it subtle shirk because we're looking at it from our lens of La sharika fil ilahiyya. That there is no one else to worship other than Allah. But to see other than Allah, that's fine. But if you are in this category of muwahideen, that's special tawheed then you you no longer see a difference between uh, subtle shirk and actual shirk. If I am seeing anything other than Allah, that's a shirk in my books. If you've reached that level. yeah. So as you can tell and guess here, we're just talking about the greats now, or else these are things that are beyond the reach of a person like myself. All right. That was that was a Khawaja Nasiruddin Tusi. What does Ayatollah Jawadi say? Ayatollah Jawadi says something very similar. He says the same way Rida had two levels and degrees, Tawhid also has two. One is to say La Ilaha Illallah and to believe in it and all of that theoretically, and to know that there is no one that deserves worship. But then there's something higher than this, and that is to make something one, actively. And so you can tell he's echoing what Khawaja Nasiruddin Tusi is saying here. And then he says, if a person does understand this, does come to this yaqeen and conviction that no one other than Allah owns anything because nothing else exists except Him, then naturally the outcome of that is that you don't see yourself as the possessor of anything. And so when you say, I am submitting myself to Allah, yes, in reality you won't even say that because you don't even own anything to submit it to Him to begin with. And so he drops this line here in Farsi, he says, so if someone says, ruzi, rukhash, babi, rukh, ruzi, rukhash, babi, namu, one day I will see his face, the beloved, and I will submit everything to him. He says that's not going to be enough anymore. In reality, you have to, you don't own anything to even submit it to him. We've talked about this before as well. And this is, he says, he refers to it as Al-Fakr al Pure needli. Needliness, to be in need. Pure faqr. The most purest form of faqr isn't to uh, to be poor when it comes to money, for example. The purest form of faqr is when you are in need when it comes to your existence itself. He says, this is the understanding that we're talking about of Tawheed here. To understand that I am all faqr. Head to toe. I'm always in need of Allah for my existence. Not for money, not for health, wealth. These things, no. And so, tawakkul will go out the window. Ridah goes out the window. Taslim goes out. Everything goes out the window as a result. Everything goes out the window because it's not applicable anymore. When something's not applicable, it's not applicable. There's no point in even discussing it. That line that he said last week, Pasandam, Anshirah, Pasandat, goes out the window. I like that which... The, the beloved loves for me. He says that all of that goes out the window. Yeah. Or else you can't. Imam Hussein won't be able to do what he does on Ashura. If you're not at this level. Now I do want to say this. Tawheed. Um, you know sometimes it's used for the lower level. Sometimes it's used for higher. It's interchangeably used. We have to understand this as well. Okay. Last week I talked about how. Like Imam Imam Ali. He says. I, am, I like health. But. I prefer what Allah wants for me. Well, that was rida, which isn't the highest level. Someone might say, oh, does that mean that uh, that's where Imam Ali stops at? No, that doesn't disprove that he has higher levels. He's just telling us that. Maybe that's uh, for us to learn from him, what kind of mentality we're supposed to have. Or else Imam Hussein showed us it's beyond rida even. It's beyond rida for him, beyond beyond Taslim for him. Alright, so that's that now. Ayatullah Jawadi. Now, I want to share with you a little story and then end here. Um, there's a book. It just crossed my mind. I said, you know, this is very relevant to this discussion. Allama Tehrani, one of the students of Allama He has a book. He's the same one who has that book called Liberated Soul. Ruhe e mujarrad The Detached Soul about Sayyid Hashim Haddad. Anyway, he has a ton of books. This is one of his books. But he hasn't really compiled it. Um, he's put together a few letters between two of the greatest of all time. And the book is called Tawheed Ilmi Va Ayni. Okay? Which means Ilmi Tawheed versus aini Tawheed. This is one of those books, just stay away from it, okay? <laughs> just stay away from it because it is hard it is a very hard book to understand and uh, i remember picking this book up like maybe 10 years ago or something i was like Dude, this is not for me i opened it up recently a couple days ago or something or yesterday was it i was looking at it again i was like okay i'm understanding a little more than i used to understand from it but still it's very heavy um and so anyway ilmi tawhid theoretical tawheed versus aini tawhid when you say aina najasat what does that mean when you say something is ayn and najasat, what does that mean? That means, uh, versus mutanajis. Ayn and najasat means najasat itself. Actual najasat. Najasat in real life. Najasat incarnate, whatever you want to say. Embodied, whatever you want to say. Okay. Theoretical Tawheed and actual Tawheed. What's the story now? Let me read off of the introduction to this book. He says that in those years, and really my apologies if today is a little deeper than usual, um, we're almost done anyway. We have a couple more weeks and we're going to be done inshallah. He says, in the years that the great Ahund Mullah, Mullah Muhammad Kazim Khurasani was alive. Um, Ahund Khurasani, he's very famous, very, very famous, and he was the za'im and the head of the Hausa of Najaf in his time. Uh, one of the students of Sheikh Al Ansari, the great of his time, and others. Anyway, Al khund Someone writes a letter to him. He's also a sheikh himself. This sheikh writes a letter and he asks about two lines of poetry in the book of al-Tayr of Sheikh Al Attar. And this is in Farsi. I'll read it to you very quickly. It's about God. It says Da U Okay? Which you can probably guess what that means. is the mustagragas. So God Da always perpetually is the king, the ultimate, absolute king. And king here, of course, means you know what it means. Lord. <clears throat> he is engulfed in his own honor, nobility, greatness, is iz, that that's not the hard part that's not that that line is not hard the next line is hard I spent a lot of time trying to figure it out I couldn't crack it I don't even know if I read it right um this last part right here Anja ust, or ke vujud anja ust. My guess is that it's vujud anja ust. Anyway, it's a tough one And so this person is asking And of course it's deep Tawheed This person is asking the grand marja of his time What does this mean? And so it says that he answered in three lines And he said, I can't explain any more than this No, I don't have time to explain more Now this sheikh, he's not going to give up he didn't get his answer the way he wanted to from Sheikh Akhund Khurasani. So what does he do? It says that he wrote this question down and he asked it from two of the other greats of his time. That's beautiful, man. He lives in a time Akhund Khurasani is alive. He lives in a time Muhammad Hussein Al-Isfahani, also known as kompani is alive. Now this guy was, this is one of the teachers of Ayatollah Bahjat. Not spiritual necessarily teachers, but one of the ilmi teachers of Ayatollah Bahjat in the Hawza back then. And the Khu'is and all of them. So he writes the same letter to him, asking him what that line means. And he also writes to Sayyid Ahmad Karbala'i. He's also one of the greatest. I wish we had a picture of him, we don't. We have a picture of Khorasani. We have a picture of Isfahani, also known as Kumpani. We have a picture of these two. One only, I think. Just one of each of them. Black and white. But we don't have a picture of Sayyid Ahmad Karbala'i, unfortunately. Who is he? He's the spiritual guide and teacher of Allah makali who was the teacher of the Bahjids and Tabatabais and all of them. And there's some interesting stories about him. Alright, so he asked the same question from him. Why? What's the difference between these two? Well, let's see what he says here. It says he sent this question to each of them. The answer of Sayyid Ahmad Karbala'i was different than the answer of Shaykh Al Kumpani. Let's we'll call him by his the nickname that they had given him. They were different. Opposite to each other. He says Mukhalif. They were they went against each other. <laughs> Why? Because Shaykh, so we'll just say Shaykh and Sayyid. Sheikh Kumpani, Sayyid Karbala'i. Sheikh had answered the question based on Tawheed indal hukama, the Tawheed of the hukama, the Tawhid of the Philosophers. While Um Sayyid Ahmad, on the other hand, had answered based on Tawheed Indal-Urafa, the Tawhid of the Urafa and the mystics. <laughs> I don't even know why I'm saying all of this, you know. Because when you start talking about these things, if you're not careful, you might think that there's something special about you just because you're saying the story. There ain't nothing special, nothing special about you, if you know this story. Okay, I'm talking to myself. Okay, so now Sheikh Kompani, he says this line of poetry is talking about the Sifat Tubbutiyah, right? Those affirmed qualities of God versus the negated qualities of God. Negated, for example, God has restrictions. God is, like let's say, God is a a material being. That is one of the negated qualities of God, meaning he doesn't have such a quality. Okay, God is jism, material. That's a negated quality of Allah. On the flip side, you have sifat thubutiyah, those that actually exist for God. Like ilm, like like power, like qudra, knowledge, these things. okay. Sheikh Kompani, he says, remember, he's a philosopher. And he's known for that. Even in his fiqh and usul, he's known for being philosophical in things. Okay, he says, okay, this is talking about how the qualities of God, those affirmed positive qualities of God, are one with his existence. So I'll give you an example. If I say so-and-so is tall, so-and-so is short, so-and-so is ignorant, so-and-so is knowledgeable. That means they have knowledge, they have this, they have that. Question, is knowledge one thing not, or being knowledgeable one thing and then they're another thing? No, we say if you want to point to the knowledgeable, the thing that is holding knowledge or the knowledge itself, it's within that person himself. You can't separate these two in the actual world. Okay, in actual existence, you can't separate them. They're all one. There isn't like 10 people, 10 things here. One of them is me. One of them is my knowledge, one of them is, They're all coming together in one being. It's part of my being. Knowledge is part of my being. Same thing with Allah, they say. And this is the conventional theology that we have. That God's qualities are one. We call this Tawheed Sifati. Sifat means qualities. Tawheed Sifati means that this doesn't cause multiplicity in God's entity and existence. When He has certain qualities. Still He's one. So Sheikh Kompani he says that that is what this line of poetry is saying. All of a sudden, though, Sayyid Ahmed Karbalai he says something else. He says that Allah's essence is above and beyond everything, even the Asma', yeah, and the qualities are even. He's above those even. Don't even don't even use qualities. And it reaches a point where they talk about how Imam Ali and Najib al the first Khutbah of Najib al he says Kamal al-Tawheed if you really want to get it right when it comes to Allah's Tawheed strip him of all qualities because any quality you have in mind is probably limited and according to this Urafah even even if, you, even if it's not unlimited quality it's something that does ha- doesn't have any restrictions and it's the pure form of the quality even then you're still restricting God I don't know how that works by the way because I'm more you know, subscribed to the philosophical school I'm not an Arif to be able to say what the orafa say but, Sayyid Ahmad Karbalai, he says, no, Allah's essence, Allah's pure essence is higher than all of this. The Farsi says, It's higher than all of them. And that, that, that region and realm of God's existence is so high, that nothing can get there, even the aql of a person can't understand. So don't say, oh yeah, we can understand ill knowledge and all that, and it's one with him. Don't even say that, it seems, he's saying. Because before reaching that stage and level of Allah's existence, all ukul are annihilated and destroyed anyway. Anyway, so that's what he says. So now, this guy, this he's the fitna monger, this one, this shaykh, the, the little one that was uh, taking these, he reads these two answers from these different ulama, and he's like, okay, I see a discrepancy here. So what's the the thing you do when you see discrepancy between ulama? You fan the fuel, you fan the flames, I guess. So he takes this one's letter to that one and shows it to him. He's like, hey, uh, you know, this one said something else. So that one writes a rebuttal to this one. And so he takes this one to that one. And then that one writes a rebuttal to this one. Right? There was no, you know, there was no Twitter back then. So you just like (laughs) respond to each other's tweets. (laughs) Yeah, so He's, this is the Twitter. Twitter was back 150 years ago. It was there, I'm telling you. Um, and so, this goes back and forth to 14 letters. Okay? And they go into a, a whole bunch of topics, actually. Yeah. And he says that when you read these letters, and guess what? Just to add as much more masala as you want, as you can like this itself was a good dish i mean this is like something to 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 read and, and and actually you know discuss and it's like 300 pages by the way so if that wasn't enough the cherry on the icing is this that Allama Tabatabai has a whole commentary on all of this as well and his student of alama tehrani he's the one who's brought these all together into this one book yeah and then the parts that Alama wasn't able to finish, Alama Tehrani has finished for it. Okay. And so to end, he says this. He says that the Shaykh, Shaykh Kumpani, which is huge, he's huge. He was using burhan and argumentation and whatever, deductive reasoning and all of that. While Sayyid Ahmad Karbalai was also using burhan, but adding to that zok, shuhud, Wujdan, and these things as well. Okay, when you add those, it might be a little hard for it to be universally binding now on people who read it. But he was also sharing his um, his view on that, and so it's interesting how how tohid ilmi theoretical tohid is one level of tohid, but then the other level of it sometimes is so much more loftier that it seems like it is contradicting this tohid to begin with. That's how far apart these are, uh, and I'm pretty sure there's level little levels in between all of these. But yeah, the theoretical tawheed versus the aini tawheed. actual tawheed, which is an active thing, active which is something that's actively done according to them, and uh, that oneness is brought about by the individual. May Allah give us a little bit, uh, a little bit, and a little taste of this. And if He doesn't, at least to uh, be able to read up on some of these things and understand, there's a lot more going on out there. Uh, than, what we, than what we see in this little dunya of ours. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Any questions? I've heard of these. I'm not, about, I'm not sure how true this is, but it's about Allah the Holy Prophet saying the, the Holy Prophet said the only two that actually understand know who Allah is, myself and my Allah. So if you're taking like the uh, answer of this question that you strip a lot of all of his properties and you know, all of the processes up there, so that when it comes to the I don't even know if we can say they understand they understand the true essence of Allah. But what we can say is they understand the essence of Allah a lot better than everyone else, right? The Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, these ones. What's for sure is that they have a much, much better understanding. Do they? Can they encompass knowledge of uh, of the essence of God? I'm not. I don't, they, they can, I don't think they can. I don't think they can. I don't think they can. They would. Um, they would uh, uh they would claim such a thing, but once again, if you want to take it to an Irfani from an Irfani perspective and say that they bear the hakiqa muhammadia or they are the hakiqa muhammadia, and that is you know one with Allah as if and you know over there it's all oneness and so there is no separation for them to not get it right or get it right or not have the full picture and all of that. That's a different story. I don't know. I can't comment on that. Okay, all in all, what we're, sh- what we're sure about is that they are the highest when it comes to this Tawheed, for sure. Now, do they have all of it? Or do they have some of it? Depends on your understanding from our literature. That's the only thing we can use to come to a conclusion. Some of our literature will say that they go and they circulate around the throne of Allah every uh, Shabid Jum'a, And more Ma'rifah is, is, is added to them. Correct? I think this is an Usul al-Kafi. If that's the case, then that means that, okay, they haven't encompassed it all. You know? What's for sure is they are way up there and we're way down here. Yeah. Yeah. How can I use all of this in my day-to-day life? For me personally, the use that it has for me is that whenever I get a little too engaged with dunya, I take a look at these things and I figure that, oh, there's a lot more going on. So let me try my best. Look, every extra step we take in this life, we will see it on the other side. It's not like a billionaire that has $200 billion and then they add a million dollars to their uh estate and now they have two uh, two hundred two hundred billion and one million dollars and so do you feel the difference if you have a million you're not no but with them it's not the, in akhira it's not the case every single even if you have 200 billion dollars in the akhira and you add one more dollar to that you feel that you see it you and that's what it is and we'll talk we talk about this in our death course a lot that it is Barzakh is for our growth to the point where we are ready for al Qiyamah because in al Qiyamah every little bit will count. So what do I do with this? If I'm not going to get here, we have a saying in Farsi, it makes sense that if I can't draw the whole uh, water of the ocean and sea, I can at least take to the amount that I can from the sea. This is a sea that I can't get to the bottom of, but let me get as much of it as I can. And so stay, stay motivated for me personally. Going through these things allows me to stay focused a little bit and not lose sight of the bigger picture, the more important picture of things. That I can get as close as I can to this at least. Inshallah, yeah. And who knows? Sometimes, uh, sometimes knowing that there is stuff like this out there, a person will have that moment in their life where they they make that decision to move in this direction. Versus if you don't even know that this stuff is out there, you're going to always stay a kindergartner in this journey that we're on. It's better to know these things, and we've talked about this before as well. It's very important to know that these things are out there. Imam khomeini points these out. It's very important to know that these things are out there, um, versus not knowing at all that they're even out there to begin with, for sure. But yeah, we're gonna we're not gonna spend all of our life studying this either. Yeah? The Quran, look at the Quran. Most of the verses are normal verses, but then they will sprinkle this kind of tawheed in them as well. And so you you pick that up. You're like, oh, there is more going on here. Yeah, so I think it is important um, and it will have that it will have that effect whether we feel it or not in our lives. Knowing it versus not knowing it at all, not spending time on it at all. All right. assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wa